in Matthew chapter 8 in your Bibles, and we'll start reading in verse number 5. Matthew chapter 8 and verse number 5. And then uh, we'll also flip over to Luke chapter number 7. And we'll read the exact same account just through the eyes of a different man. Matthew chapter 8 verse number 5. The Bible says this. And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion, beseeching him and saying, Lord... My servant lieth at home, sick of the palsy, grievously tormented. And Jesus saith unto him, I will come and heal him. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. But speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this man, Go, and he goeth. And unto another man, Come, and he cometh. And to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled and said unto them that followed, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus saith in a centurion, Go thy way. And as thou hast believed, so be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Now, folks, if you would, flip over with me very quickly to the book of Luke. So we're in the book of Matthew. Skip over Mark. Go over to Luke chapter number 7. And we're going to read something here that Luke adds to this. There's something that, uh, that Matthew didn't include. It doesn't mean it's a contradiction. It's just something that he added a little bit extra. Luke chapter number 7, and we're going to start reading in verse number 1. Now when he had ended all of his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. So now we're back at Jesus walking into the city in Luke 7, 1. Then in verse number 2, And a certain centurion's servant, who was dear unto him, was sick and ready to die. And when he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. Then when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly, saying that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, a centurion sent his friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I am not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Wherefore, neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. And we'll stop right there, and let's have a word of prayer. Our Father, help us to understand something from this centurion man here in this passage of Scripture tonight. Lord, in this account that happened, again, so long ago, Lord, there's something that we believe we can learn from this man that you tried to teach to the people that were there with you. Help us to see that. Help us to learn it and take it to our own hearts tonight. For it's in your name. Amen. Well, folks, let me tell you about what happened. And you have to piece both of these scriptures here together to see, uh, to see both accounts. They each had a few details that the other didn't. Again, not a contradiction, just some included different things. So what happened was Jesus, he went into Capernaum and there as he had this great multitude that was following him around, he, he loved them, he taught them. We see how Jesus, how he, uh, you know, he was a preacher, a teacher. And he taught these people. And when he had finished, he was getting, he was leaving, he was going his way. And the Luke account 
tells us that there are some servants that come up to him, some Jewish servants. And they come up to Jesus and they said, Jesus, listen, we got a, we, we got a job for you. We, we need help with you from something or need help from you about something. And Jesus began to listen. And these men, these servants, they said, Jesus, our master, he has a servant that's sick. He has a servant that's getting ready to die. And, and, and we need you to come and heal him. And then the servants began to say this. They said, look, this man, he is, he's worthy of what's being asked of you. This man, he is, oh, Jesus, he's a good man. Listen, he built us a synagogue. Man, this was a guy where we could say, hey, he, he gathered all the funds together and he built a church. This was, this was a good man. So then he started building him up. He said in verse 5, for he loveth our nation. He hath built us a synagogue there in Luke 7, 5. Look, he's, he's a great man. He has love for our people. Man, he's, he loves his country. Man, he's, he's a patriotic guy. He's an upstanding guy. He, he, he's a religious guy. He built us a synagogue. He's a charitable guy. Lord, listen, if anything about this man, he, he's, he's worthy. You, know, you, should, you should do this for him. And then the Lord, in, in his wisdom, knowing what's going to happen soon anyway... He says, okay, I'll come to his house. So the Lord, with his entourage of folks that were following him there, they began to walk towards this centurion man's house. And as they were on the way there, that's when the Matthew account picks up. You see the centurion himself coming, not the servants. Now you see the man himself coming. That's the difference. Luke showed the servants coming first. Matthew just kind of skipped over that part and started up where the centurion comes in. So in Matthew, when the centurion guy comes in, he comes up to Jesus and he says, Lord, I need you to come and heal this man in my house. Lord, he's sick. He's, he's going to die. And then the Lord, he's kind of already on the way there. And the Lord says, yeah, I'm, I'm going to come. I'm going to heal. I'm going to fix it. And then the centurion says something. And I love the way it's said here in, in Matthew. If, uh, if you're still there flipping back and forth. In Matthew chapter 8, Verse number eight, the centurion said this. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof. But speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. See, first the servant showed up. And they said, Lord, Jesus, this, this man, he's, he's a patriotic man. He's a merciful man. He's a, uh, he's a religious man. He, he built us our synagogue. He's a great guy. He's worthy. But the centurion showed up and he said, Lord, I'm not even worthy that you should be under my roof. Well, why would you want to come to my house? I, 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 I am unworthy of such a thing. They, that you should even come to my house. And over, and again, I know I'm flipping back and forth. In Luke, he says, that's why I even sent my two servants to you to begin with. I was unworthy to even be in your presence. But Lord, I, I'm unworthy for you to come under my roof. If you will just simply speak the words here, you'll not have to come to a man's house like me. You'll not have to, you'll not have to come to where I am. Just simply speak the words. And folks, look at the kind of man he was. In verse number 9, he starts talking about his position. He says, look, I'm a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And he starts talking about, I have these servants under me. He's like, I, I'm in a position of authority, but Lord, I am still unworthy of you. 
Folks, one of the things we talked about this, this morning in our service was being humble. And in, in our Sunday school class, we talked about humility. And I believe this man is a great example of that. And look at how Jesus commended him in Matthew 8.10. There's the second part. He said, Verily I say unto you, because he looked up from the centurion, the Lord was, the, the Lord was amazed at the example to be able to teach. He, he looked up from the centurion. He looked at his crowd that was there with him. He said, Folks, listen, I got something I want to tell you. See this man here? I want to teach you something about this man. Verily, he says in verse number 10, Verily I say unto you, that means truly, or this is important, listen up, this is, this is true. Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Not in the nation of Israel have I seen faith as great as this man's is. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness, and there shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And we'll talk about that a little bit too. So folks, here's what we're going to see out of this, this account here that happened. We're going to see this man who by all accounts, everyone would say, boy, that's a good man. We're going to see what the Lord had to say about that. And then we're also going to see what the Lord said about faith as well. You know, it's funny. The, the more we look at the miracles of God, the more we start learning about faith and the people that had faith in God. It's really amazing to see how the Lord connects those two. And we'll see that even again tonight. So the first thing I want us to key in on is this. And Luke, when his two servants showed up, they looked at him and they, they looked at Jesus and they started building this guy up. Hey, he is, he's a great man. He's a worthy man. I'm picturing this in my mind. I'm picturing this, boy, this, this centurion, this guy of authority, this guy of position and power. Here's this servant that he was fond of getting ready to die. And he's thinking to himself, boy, if Jesus were just here, Jesus could heal him. But then he's thinking, I can't have Jesus come to my house, though. What kind of a man am I? And he looks at his other servants and says, Servants, I'm not, I'm not even worthy to have Jesus in my house. I'm not even worthy to go in his presence. Okay, you two, Joe and John. Well, I don't know what their names are. But he says, you two servants, you go over to Jesus for me. And you tell him for me. I, I'm just not worthy to stand in front of a man as righteous and as holy as Jesus Christ. I want you to go for me. And I could see these servants sitting there thinking, he thinks he's not worthy? I mean, really? And he's sending us? And in, in that mind, when we think about their position, they see their leader saying that he's not worthy enough of Jesus, that he doesn't feel like Jesus is, uh, belongs in his house, that when they get there, the first thing they want to do is build him up. They, they want to say, Jesus, this man, he, he really is worthy. He, he's a great guy. Folks, this man's humility, everyone around him saw it because it was genuine. I mean, it wasn't an act. It wasn't put on. He legitimately believed the things that, uh, the things that he was saying. He was so low of himself, and we'll talk about that in a few minutes, that everyone saw it. So one of the things that we have to disconnect is the same thing the servant saw. Just because a man is a person of position, just because a man's a good man, just because a man's a, a man of authority, right? This was a centurion. He had soldiers under him. He had servants under him. What, what, what he said, that happened. Folks, that's not the mark necessarily of, of necessarily a good man. Just because he's a guy that has power and authority, that doesn't mean much of anything. And frankly, 
Most of the time when you see people that are people of power and authority, most of the time they're not very humble people, are they? Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that those two are mutually exclusive, but most of the time when you see someone that's, that's lifted up, that people are always praising them, that, that when they say something, boy, it gets done, that kind of power can go to a person's head. You know, it really can. It can drive them to get haughty. It can drive them to be built up. And if there's anything that we've learned that, boy, God wants us to be humble. So it's very amazing to see that this man, even though he was a person that, that loved his nation, he was, he was patriotic. He had soldiers under him. He was a man that commanded the soldiers. He was a man that, that had people and servants all around him. When he said something that happened, even though that was who he was, he was still able to keep his humility. Folks, just because a person's a position of power, it doesn't mean that, uh, that automatically they're going to be a good man, which really is what brings us to number two. He saw himself as absolutely not having any worth. Now, how does a guy like that do that? How is a person able to keep his humility when all around him, he is in absolute control? Man, that's, that's kind of like, I mean, imagine someone that's, that's a king or, or a president of a nation. And boy, what they say, it happens. There's no questions asked. Yet that person would still look at Jesus and say, Master, I'm not even worthy to have you in my house. I, I, I'm, I'm not even worthy to have you under my roof. Wow. Man, what, what lowliness of himself. Folks, he was a man of position and authority, yet he was still a person of humility. See, in verse number 8, that's why he said, I am not worthy that thou shouldest come under my roof. Folks, we need to separate the things that we do and the, the positions that we have, the jobs that we have, our accomplishments, by the way. When we accomplish things, we can never let those things we can never let, them, let our heads swell up a little bit. Does that make sense? That's one of the things that we have, we have a, a, a tendency to do. And I love seeing this with teenage boys because I was one of them. I remember. You, know, you ever been to a ball game and you, you see one of the boys when he makes a touchdown? Oh, man, his head gets you know, pretty big. Yeah, I, I did it. Or when, when a guy, he asks out a girl and she says yes. You know, she said, yes, you know, I've got a date. This is wonderful. And boy, his head, it can, it can swell up. Maybe that's a guy thing. I'm not a girl, so I don't know if that happens to girls. You know, you, you girls, I'll let you mull on that one yourself. But I know one of the things with guys, we, we can get a big head over things. And especially someone in this position, boy, he was a centurion. And imagine if in today's time, you got to the point where you were wealthy enough that you had servants to take care of everything for you. Ladies, wouldn't that be nice? You know, having someone to come out, hey, I want you to clean my house, have my dinner ready by seven. Man, servants, you know, my, my garden needs plowing today. Make sure the green beans are in and canned and, you know, we'll have it done by five. And boy, you can just go and sip lemonade and watch it all get done. You'd start to feel pretty good about yourself, wouldn't you? Man, I would think, boy, look at all the good stuff that I've done. If anybody wanted to come to my house, I think this would be a good place for the Lord to be. You can get kind of big-headed. But the amazing thing was, this man, he never let his accomplishments, his position, his power, his, his uh, patriotic-type you know, personality. Furthermore, even being religious, there's one we often kind of look over. Sometimes we look at religious accomplishments, and we can even steal the glory of God. 
you know, take, take for example, someone that does some kind of religious charity work. And, th- and it's not bad. There's nothing wrong with those things. Believe me. But what if someone, they do so many things for the Lord in the name of God, but they can step back and say, look at all the great charity work that I've done this year. Man, look at me. I've done such a great job. The Lord would be so happy with me for all the good stuff that I've done. Oh boy, at that point, they're starting to even get puffed up and prideful with the things they're doing for the Lord. This guy, they tried to say that. Master, our master is, Lord Jesus, our master is worthy. Because look, he even went and he built a synagogue. Man, he built a place of worship. Surely he must be worthy. He is, he's so patriotic. He's so religious. Man, what a religious accomplishment that would be. To, to be able to go to a place and, and of your own funds say, hey, you know, you guys, I'm going to pay for this. You go build a church for the town or whatever. Man, that, that would be something for, some, for this guy to, uh, to consider himself worthy. But he still looked at himself. He knocked himself down a few notches on his own. And he looked at Jesus and he said, I am not worthy. I am not good enough. And folks, the bottom line is this. When we really consider who we are, the fact that we've broke God's law, the fact that we have a sin nature, the fact that Jesus had to die for us, we could almost say that Jesus had to die because of us, meaning, you know, sin itself, because of mankind. It's our fault that he had to die. I mean, that's, that's what it was. It was us. Well, we couldn't have a way to go to heaven if it, if it weren't for him dying for us. And to think that any of us would ever be worthy of what Jesus could do, that's pretty prideful. That's pretty prideful. You know, there's a passage of Scripture, one that actually kind of, boy, just, it does something for me every time I read it. You know, I love those passages of Scripture. You see it and you're just like, wow, that's good. But there's one in Revelation where uh, the Bible talks about a seal that no one was worthy to open, Right? And it's written, we'll get into Revelation one day. There's a lot of, lot of things in there. But the Bible says that they're all looking at this. There's no one worthy to open this book. There's no one worthy. And then all of heaven started to rejoice because there was one person that was worthy. That was Jesus, the perfect lamb. And he was worthy. He was the one that's worthy. Folks, there is no one worthy of what God has done for us. Yeah, he still loved us. So I believe that we ought to, like the centurion, see ourselves as being unworthy. Let's knock ourselves down on purpose. And when we consider who Christ is and just how awesome he is and how holy and how just and how righteous he is, boy, we can't see ourselves as anything but unworthy. You know, that there's, there's an idea today that, oh, Jesus, he's, he's my BFF. You know, and, and I understand what's saying. I don't, I don't want to you know, make fun of folks. Oh, Jesus, he's, he's my bud, you know. Yeah, but at the same time, he's also unworthy to even come into my house. You know, he, he's, he, or excuse me, I am unworthy to have him come into my house. I am unworthy for him to, to be my friend. I am unworthy of him to be my father. Yet he still loved me anyway. Folks, there's a, there's a certain respect that comes with that, seeing ourselves as not worthy. And lastly, we're going to see this as well. Again, we keep talking about a person being faithful. Man, I love this thing of faith. Do you realize the same faith that saved you is the same faith that gets prayers answered? 
That's one of the things kind of we talked about in Sunday school. The, the same uh, humility that we use when we received our salvation is the same humility that we use when we live the Christian life. Boy, it's the same faith. So here's what the Lord does. The centurion, he, he, looks, he looks at Jesus and says, Jesus, I'm not worthy for you to even come into my house if, if you'll just speak it. Lord, just speak it. All you have to do is say it, and I know it'll be done. Boy, that's, that's faith. You know, I, I don't need Jesus to come. Lord, all you got to do is say it. He, he knew the power of the Lord. He already knew. And then the Lord, he looks up from the centurion, and we said as he turned and he looked at the crowd that was following him, People followed Jesus. There was more than just the 12. There were a lot of people that followed Jesus around. He, he, uh, he, he drew a crowd quite a bit. And he said, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. And now he kind of shifts gears. Well, yes, we know he healed the man. The Bible says the minute he said it that he was healed. But the Lord kind of shifts gears a little bit and he starts talking about heaven. It's funny because he's talking about faith. He puts the two together. Look what he says about faith. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Folks, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we realize some people call those the patriarchs. The nation of Israel, that came from Abraham. Then there was his son, Isaac, who, you know, he put on the altar. Then Isaac had a son named Jacob. Then Jacob had a son, Joseph, that was sold into slavery, right? So Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, usually they're talking about, you know, those great patriarchs. I say unto you that many will come from the east and from the west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Look, there are going to be people in heaven that aren't Israelites, is what he's saying. There's going to be people in heaven that that aren't Jewish, that didn't come from Abraham, but they're going to be with Abraham in heaven. And to the Jews, that's kind of, uh, what? Excuse me? Right? I mean, why would you be saying this? Look at what he says in verse 12. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus said unto the centurion, Go thy way as thou hast believed. So be it done unto thee. And his servant was healed the selfsame hour. Folks, one of the things that Jesus took a moment to say was, because he was, he was kind of trying to show something here with the Gentiles. He's saying there's going to be more people in heaven than just the Jews because of faith. And then he made a point to say that, look, being an Israelite, it's not enough. Because, folks, I want to tell you, and this is one of the saddest things of all that we see in Scripture. There will be people that were Israelites, that were Jews, that were of the same nation of God, that stood there where Jesus stood, that heard Him speak, that, that, that saw the miracles, that went and put Him on a cross and crucified Him and will be in an eternal hell because they denied Him. Because they didn't believe. They were there. Man, they, they heard it. They saw it. But they still denied it. So folks, Jesus took a point to say, look, this centurion man, hey, everybody that's listening, say, you, you crowd, listen up. This man right here, he's got it figured out. That's what the Lord's saying. This guy down here, he's, he's got the faith. He knows I don't have to come to his house. He, he just believes. You, you that are following me, he's got it right. 
They're going to be more than just the Jews. There's going to be people from all over the world because they have his faith. And folks, that's the point Christ is kind of make. Because from the beginning of time with Adam to the end of time, whenever that's going to be, the question has always been faith. Faith. You know, in the book of Hebrews, it even says that Abraham, way back in the Old Testament, even though he had to make sacrifices and had different laws that he followed, the Bible says that he was made whole by his faith. It was still by faith. Today, Christians are saved. They come, become under the blood of Christ by their faith. It will always be faith. That's the answer. That's the bottom line. And he's saying, look, and it's sad to hear this. I haven't found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Jesus says, even in my own country, I haven't found this kind of faith. Yet this centurion had it right. So folks, very simply is this. With this study here tonight, we've looked at these two different sections. And I want to wrap it all up with this. When we see this idea of faith and what Jesus was trying to teach here, Number one, it doesn't matter what our accomplishments are as to being a good man. That makes absolutely no difference in the eyes of God. It doesn't matter. I mean, there are going to be people in heaven that have done such great and wonderful and mighty things in man's eyes. And then you know who else is going to be in heaven? That thief on the cross with his last breath said, Father, remember me when thou enterest into thy kingdom. He's going to be there too. They're both going to be there. Now, sure, there may be some different rewards, but they're both going to be there. Everyone stands level at the foot of the cross. And our accomplishments, too, should never make us feel like, well, I am worthy of Jesus Christ. No, you're not. Because there is no man worthy of Jesus Christ. There is no one that will ever be able to work hard enough to work off their sins and to earn their spot in glory. It'll never happen. This man here, if you would say anybody was worthy, you would almost think this guy, Lord, I built the church. I'm a patriotic man. You know, I've, I've done this. I've done that. No, Lord, I'm embarrassed to have you in my house. I'm embarrassed. I, I, am, I am not worthy. Lord, it's almost like he ran out to meet Jesus on his way saying, Lord, please don't come. I am not worthy. That's what he was doing. And to think that a man would say that shows us what he really thought of himself. And I think we can take that as a lesson of humility. And then lastly, as we've seen before, faith. Boy, faith. Just, just trusting in something as already being done. Man, trusting that, that my salvation is done even though I've not seen it. Trusting that Jesus died on the cross for me even though I've never seen the cross. I've never seen his blood. But you know, I have faith in it. I believe it happened. I've counted it as it's true. And the same thing happens when we ask things of the Lord as well. He was on his knees before Jesus saying, Lord, all you've got to do is say it. I know it's true. And it's that faith. Just like Jesus has said before, thy faith hath made thee whole. Well, that's what it is. It's a matter of faith. So let's learn these main two things, or well, three things really. One, it's not a, let's not be puffed up. Two, let's, let's see ourselves as unworthy. Humility. Having humility before the Lord. And with our humility, let's also be people of faith. So with that, folks, we'll stop and we'll have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. Our Heavenly Father, God, we love you. And 
we want to praise your name and thank you for what you've showed us here out of this, this portion of scripture as we see this man. Lord, this man that saw himself as not deserving anything good. This man that saw himself unworthy to even be in your presence. Lord, I pray that you would even help me not to be puffed up with this thing of pride, but to see myself unworthy before you, unworthy of anything good. And Lord, help me to live a life thankful for what you have done. Lord, just by his coming and dying on the cross, you've already done more than I deserve. Father, thank you for it. So folks, with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I just want you to ask yourselves a simple question. Is there something that you can learn from this centurion man tonight? Would you say maybe in some ways, I guess all of us could, I know I certainly could, that sometimes there are things that puff me up a little too much. Let's let it be said of us that that we keep ourselves full of humility before the Lord. You know, Jesus himself, he was meek and he was lowly. He was not a person of pride, nor should we be. And let's live a life of faith. When we ask the Lord to do something for us, let's trust him by faith. Let's trust by faith that his will would be done. Let's look for and seek after his will for it to be done. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, again tonight, thank you so much for once again another lesson on who we should be and where we should stand before you. Lord, help us to have the humility that this man had. Lord, for even now, we know that we can come boldly in the throne room of grace. God, we're so thankful for that. But we also realize that that's only through you. In and of ourselves, we are unworthy. So we thank you. Thank you for our salvation. Thank you for the forgiveness and the pardon that allows us to come to heaven. God, thank you for that. I pray that tonight as we get ready to leave and we go our separate ways, may we just live a life that would be right according to you. May we seek to honor you and to give you the praise and the glory that you deserve in all things. We love you, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.